Well, all I'm going to say is I'm glad we get to have a second service this morning. And the reason is because I want to hear the choir and the solo again. And that works out really, really good. And uh, what a blessing. Thank the Lord. Well, it has been a blessed and I greatly enjoyed the opportunity to be with the men. Uh, it was several years back now. It was actually my 50th birthday that uh, I predetermined that I was going to use that event not just as a time of celebration, but as a time of rededication. And uh, it's amazing how the Lord worked it out. I actually had a week of meetings in Fairbanks, Alaska, the week before my birthday. And then my wife and I had the opportunity to just spend the next week enjoying Alaska for the first time in our lives. And God allowed me to spend my 50th birthday in a little log cabin out in the wilderness of Toke, Alaska. And I loved it. But it was a very, very meaningful day spiritually. And one of the things that God gave me during that time was a quote. I was rereading again after having done it a number of times, uh, Leonard Ravenhill's book, Why Revival Tarries. And I found the statement, the man who could get the church to praying would usher in the greatest revival the world has ever known. And folks, there's a sense in which I took that quote and sort of made it my own mission statement for the rest of my life. I sent messages to my children that day that said, 50 down, 50 to go. I don't know that for certain. But whatever there is that is left, one of my great desires is to lead God's people back to the place of prayer. And that's why it excited me to be here these last two days and to meet with the brethren that were gathered. It excites me that you're going to turn around and do it all over again next weekend for the ladies. And I trust that it truly will be a meeting with God as you meet together. Well, I'm going to invite your, you to open your Bible this morning, if you will please, to the book of Genesis chapter 32. Please do not consider to me to be unprepared this morning or indecisive this morning. But I came to the service today actually with two messages in my Bible. I've done that through the years, sometimes more than two. And I've just simply waited to see how God would prompt and lead. I was sitting there a few moments ago while your choir was singing and I quickly grabbed the bulletin and a pen when they sang those words, take my life, take my life, every breath, and let the sacred be all that's left. And right then and there, I knew what God's message was for today. Folks, I don't want to ever just preach a good message. I want to preach the right message. And I've desired today to take you to an Old Testament story that 
Yes, we probably know of, maybe know about, but a message that contains a tremendous truth for each one of our lives. We're in Genesis chapter 32. I want to begin reading at verse number 22. Speaking about Jacob, we read this, And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them, o- and, he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. In the margin of your Bible, you could probably write everyone and everything because those verses are sort of all-inclusive. Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. Jacob was left alone. Now, will you look down with me at verse number 30? And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved folks will you bow with me this morning in prayer and then I want to share a message with you today that I've entitled the blessedness of brokenness heavenly father in some ways I feel so incapable of addressing a subject like brokenness Because it's much more difficult to experience even than it is to preach about. But Lord, we have your word in front of us and we have it open and we're inviting you, dear sweet Holy Spirit, now to guide us into the truth, specifically the truth of your word as it relates to the truth about ourselves. So have your way. Help me as I preach. Please help the people as they listen. And will you do and accomplish something significant in our lives this morning? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're taking notes this morning or you have a way to write something down, I want to begin today by giving you a little five-point list. This list is a list that talks about me. It's a list that talks about you. It's a list that in one way or another will describe us today. Here we go. Number one, write this down. All of me. It's all about me. That's the first thing on the list. Number two, more of me. Number three, some of me. Number four, less of me. And number five, finally, At the bottom of the list, none of me. Men and women, do you realize this morning 
that one of those five phrases describes you. All of me, more of me, some of me, less of me, or none of me. But do you also realize that in direct proportion to how much there is of you, you will experience the reality of God in your life. In other words, if it's all of me, it's none of thee. If it's more of me, it'll still be less of thee. If it's some of me, it'll be some of thee. If it's less of me, it'll be more of me. But only when it's none of me will it be all of thee. Do you realize that in brokenness, God brings us to the end of ourselves. God makes us nothing so that he can be everything. It is only when you come to the end of yourself that you have a new beginning with God. This morning we are looking at the life of a man named Jacob. Can I just in very simple terms state that at least to this stage of his life, most of Jacob's life had been all about him. Obviously, for that reason, very little of it had been about God. But in the passage we come to this morning, Jacob is about to have a God encounter. Years ago, I started studying God encounters in Scripture. Do you know what God encounters are? They're exceptional meetings with God that produce extraordinary results. They're meetings where an individual meets God and comes away significantly changed. Poor Jacob. His life had been so self-centered. And even as you back up earlier into the book of Genesis, you find him leaving home, not as an, es an exit, but as an escape. Not just going away, but getting away. You want to know why? His brother Esau is going to kill him. He'd stolen the birthright. He'd stolen the blessing that rightfully belonged to Esau. And so for his life he goes. But it's interesting that at least 14 years have passed when God comes on the scene and speaks. And in chapter 31 verse 3 said, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred. 
Again, 10 verses later in verse 13, he said, Get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. Folks, I'm just using my imagination, but I can almost hear Jacob gulp. I can see the look of panic on his face. I can almost hear him when he speaks and he says, Home? God. You can't be serious. I'll go anywhere but home. But it's very interesting that in Genesis 31, God made it clear, Jacob, you go home and I go with you. If you don't go home, you will go alone for the rest of your life. So, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He started home. Interestingly enough, the scripture text that I've read for you this morning occurs the night before Jacob is to meet up with Esau. He's gotten word that Esau is coming and with him 400 armed men. By the way, I can see Jacob just kind of pointing that out to God. God, I told you this wasn't going to work. Can you imagine? And then Jacob encounters God and it changed everything. Folks, this morning I want to give you a simple outline on the blessedness of brokenness. Here goes, number one, the place of brokenness. We read it in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. The preceding verses told us everyone and everything was sent ahead. At that point, it was probably more for their own safety and security than anything else. As Jacob is probably figuring, then I'll meet Esau alone and he can kill me, but at least everybody else survives. And yet, that place of aloneness was about to become the precise location where Jacob would meet God. Do you know why that occurred? Every human support system had been removed. And Jacob was about to go one-on-one -on -one with God. You know, I think sometimes just due to the social nature of human beings, we've allowed ourselves to kind of get lost in the crowd as if we were hiding from God. But isn't it interesting how God has a unique way of isolating us? putting us in a place, putting us in a position where everything else, everyone else is taken away and we are left exposed, vulnerable to God. 
I think it would be safe to say this morning, welcome that place of aloneness with God. Get excited about that place of aloneness with God. Realize that when there's no one and nothing else to lean on, you are in a great position for something significant in your life from God. But I want you to see the second thing. Number two, notice with me the process of brokenness. The verse continues, verse 24, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. You know, self at its worst will always seek to be satisfied. Self at its worst will always seek to be served. But self at its worst will always seek to survive. And you know, there's almost a sense in which sometimes we get in that mindset that just says, I'm too tough to go down right now. So get the picture. The Bible speaks of a man. We learn further in the scripture that this man was a messenger from God. Can you imagine? Jacob gets in a wrestling match with God. Now here's what I know about wrestling. By the way, I do not know much about wrestling. My, my family, we were basketball players. My wife's family, she had four brothers, they were wrestlers. She knows every move, every point. She knows all that stuff. All I know about wrestling is this. Don't let the other guy get you on your back. By the way, that is a profound concept. You know, I remember when my boys were growing up, we used to wrestle a lot. But we didn't have a basement or a family room like most of you do. We raised our family in a fifth wheel travel trailer. Thankfully, it was 43 foot long, and thankfully, there was a back bedroom, and, and that just had to be the gym for us guys. You know, it's the funniest thing. I can still remember times when I would go back in that room, and maybe things were getting a little boring, and, and, and I would just purposely try and work those two up. I'd maybe just stand there, or if they were on the floor, maybe I'd get down on my knees and I'd just sit there and I'd kind of look at them. I'd say, you know what? You two still aren't big enough to get me down. Oh, my word, that was like letting a couple of wildcats out of a cage. And we would start into it and we would go at it. I'm telling you, till there was enough sweat in that little bedroom to choke a horse. What do I know about wrestling? Folks, wrestling is not something you do for aerobic exercise. When you wrestle, you have one thing in mind. Pin the other dude down until he gets to the point where he gives up. 
and you win. Jacob wasn't just working out that night. Jacob is in a fight for survival. The process. And so they wrestle through the night. Do you know what the process of brokenness is, men and women? The process of brokenness is designed to bring us to the point of saying, I can't. I can't escape. I can't get up. But you know why I can't is so important? Because only when you say I can't are you in a position to say God can. That's what the process of brokenness is all about. It's God using various means to bring me to the point where I recognize I can't. You know, I, I think about it. What does God use in my life? What does God use in your life to do that? I don't doubt for a minute that there are several things, one of them being the conviction of Scripture. You know, it's amazing. God's Word is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, it says. There are times when an impactful truth from the Word of God breaks us down. What else does God use? I think sometimes he uses crisis in life. Amen. Psalm 119, the psalmist said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Four verses later in verse 71, he says, It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Sometimes God backs us into a corner that is so tight we can't make a move. And it's not that we would have wanted to be there, but God uses that to bring us to the end of ourselves, to break us down. Thirdly, sometimes God just uses the confession of need. One of the greatest prayers you will ever pray is a simple prayer that just says, God, I can't, you can See, it's the recognition, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to do anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Now, those are just three ways God does it. But do you realize that in this process, though it may be a struggle, though it may seem like we're wrestling, God is eventually bringing us to that point or we can do nothing else. But let me move on. Number three, I want you to see the pain of brokenness. Let's go back to our Bibles. This wrestling match has gone on. Verse 25. And, and you're going to have to watch this closely. And when he, that's the messenger saw that he, that's the messenger, prevailed not against him, that's Jacob. He, the messenger, touched the hollow of his, that's Jacob's, 
thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. I told you I'm not much of a wrestler and I don't understand that much about it. Give me a basketball, I'll take the three-pointer. But I do know this. Wrestling not only depends upon strength, it's managing that strength through leverage. I'm certainly no specialist on human anatomy either. But here's something I do know. Probably the biggest and the strongest bone in the human body is the femur, which is the upper bone in the leg and goes into the hip. Probably the strongest muscles in the body are those muscles that are a part of the upper leg. No doubt about it, the strongest and most powerful joint in the human body would be the hip. Do you realize what God did? God touched Jacob at his point of greatest strength and crippled him. Listen, you can't wrestle with a broken leg and you can't wrestle with a dislocated hip. The wrestling match is over. Pain, you know, I've always been able to relate well to Jacob. In 2003, at 42 years of age, I had to have two complete hip replacements due to birth defects. I remember the doctor telling me, this is going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done, but when it's done, you'll be like brand new. And he was right. Life got good after those surgeries. But I'm telling you, it was a tough horse to ride. I remember my second hip replacement surgery. Happened on a Thursday, Thursday morning. By Friday night, I still had not been out of bed. Morphine made me sicker than sick, and so they were trying to wean me off of the morphine pump, and I had just not been able to even sit up, let alone get up, and yet I needed to. And finally, about 10 o'clock Friday night, a couple of nurses said, we've got to get you up. The only problem was I was kind of in that no man's zone with no pain medication, trying to get off the morphine. And I remember sitting up on the edge of the bed, and then I remember they said, we're going to stand you up next to the bed. And for the first time in my life, I understood what my pain tolerance level was. You ever wondered that? How much could I take? I found out. Here's how I found out. It was like suddenly my vision... My field of vision became like a checkerboard. And one at a time, squares started blacking out. 
And the last thing I remember is saying to these ladies, I'm on my way out. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I'm on my way out. And that's the last thing I remember. What I was told was I fell backwards into the bed and fell over the bed. And, and uh, when I did finally come back to, they were rushing in with emergency equipment. I don't know whether somebody called a code or what happened. But oh my. I remember when I finally did get all tucked back into bed that night and all the equipment was gone and the people were gone and the lights were off. I can remember laying there in that hospital bed sobbing uncontrollably. And you know what? There was an element of that that was from pain. But can I tell you what maybe was harder to deal with? It was the sense of helplessness. That feeling of just laying there absolutely incapable of doing anything but crying. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I, this is kind of the, the funny side of it. The next night, a, a lady came into the room. She was a little black lady. She had been one of the nurses who had been in the room when this happened. And I, she walked in and she said, I want to see how you're doing. And, and I said, oh, we're doing better tonight than the night before, obviously. <laughs> And she said to me, you were so cute. I thought, yeah, right, ma'am. I'll bet I was. She said, you said, I'm on my way out, and you went. She said, I caught your head right before it hit the rail on the other side of the bed. You know what pain does, folks? Pain brings us to that point of helplessness. You can't even move when it hurts that bad. You can't stand when it hurts that bad. But remember what brokenness is? It's bringing me to the end of myself. There are people that may be sitting in this auditorium this morning and you're going, life has been hard on me. Yes, I understand. But could it be that God has put you in a place and he's working on a process and he's even allowing pain to bring you to that point where you begin to move down that list we started with and it's no more all or more or some but he's making less and less and less of you because in the end, he ultimately wants to make more and more and more of himself in your life. Amen. Well, let's move on. Number four, notice, if you will, please, the power of brokenness. The messenger wants to leave. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. I get the impression that even after the, the leg injury, Jacob is still hanging on. Do you get it? Do you see the picture? The messenger says, let me go. And he, Jacob said, 
Oh, do I love this phrase. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Friends, do you realize to this point in Jacob's life, he had never given much thought to the blessing of God. But now that he's been broken, now that he's come to the end of himself, now that he's helpless in and of himself, what does he want? God's blessing. God's power in his life. For the first time, he's concerned about blessing. Verse 27, and he said, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 27, he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Notice, and he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Power with God, power with men. That new name Israel meant a prince with God. God brought about a dynamic change in life, in Jacob's life that would bring about a dynamic change in his relationship to God and man. And so what is the result? Verse 29 ends with these words, and he blessed him there. Oh yes, Jacob got a new name. Yes, he became a, a new man, but he got new power. It was no longer his own. It was God's. The blessing of God touched his life. The power of God came upon his life and changed him. You know, folks, I, I, like you, feel like sometimes I have spent so much effort struggling and straining and stretching and striving and you know what I mean? trying to make it happen, trying to get it done, trying to be what I want to be. And it doesn't happen. Maybe you've lived like that at times in your life. Do you realize that brokenness is that point that brings you right to the place we're on that list. You've now moved from, to the point where it's none of you and it's all of God. And suddenly his power in and through your life takes over and begins to work. And things begin to happen not because of what you do, but because of what God does. Well... That leads us to the fifth and final point in this message, number five, the prospect of brokenness. Verse 30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. You've read this verse already. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Preserved. 
word peniel, the name peniel literally means the face of God. Though limited physically, Jacob left this place different in many ways, but one of them was he left with a limp. He left with a limp. Verse 31 says he hauled it upon his thigh. Limited physically, he limped away, ready to walk with God spiritually. I'm a, a walker. I like to walk in the mornings. I did yesterday afternoon, in fact. And you know, it's been funny through the years. I've, I've been walking and I've had a vehicle pull over and somebody will say to me, are you okay? <laughs> I say, sure. <laughs> Why? Well, you look like you're limping. You look like you're hurting. I say, look, it's fine. It's those artificial hips. I've walked like a dork ever since. I've, it's fine. I'm over it. Oh, okay. All right. You have a good walk. I'll see you. And they drive away. And I just kind of laugh. We were doing something with the family a while back. And I actually saw myself on video. And I just said to my wife, oh, you're kidding. Is that what it really looks like? She said, what? I said, did you see the way I'm walking? She said, well, yeah, that's how you walk. I said, oh, my word, that's horrendous. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. It's been good. It doesn't hurt. And I've climbed mountains and ridden horses and hiked and swam and rode bike and walked and it's okay. It's all right. Now you're all going to be staring at me when I walk off this platform. That's what's going to happen. I, I'm, I can see it. Poor guy. Don't worry about it. I'm over it. Jacob limped when he walked away, but it was good because he was walking differently within his life. Through the blessing that came into Jacob's life, the rest of the world, including us, has been blessed. Folks, do you realize that it was through Jacob and Jacob's family and eventually nation that came the Word of God and the Son of God, the two greatest blessings to ever touch the world? The blessing of brokenness. It's okay. It's okay because when God brings us to the end of ourselves, we have a new beginning with him. So we go all the way back to where we started this morning. All, more, some, less, or none of me. Which of those words today describes you?
Whichever one you pick, just understand it is in direct proportion to your answer that you will know what place God has in your life. Let's bow our heads, please. Could we be quiet before the Lord this morning? There's a simple prayer that I've had to pray a lot of times in my life. And it just goes something like this. Dear God, there's just too much of me in me. There's just too much of me in me. This invitation may seem rather simplistic this morning, but in just a moment we're going to stand for prayer and after I pray an invitation hymn will just quietly be played. I wonder if there are some folks here today that it would do you well to just bow before the Lord. You can come here to the front. You can kneel or sit at your seat. I don't care. But maybe you ought to bow before the Lord today and say, Dear God, there's just too much of me in me. I've still got some fight left in me. My plans, my ambitions, my agenda, I'm still trying to work it out. Maybe God's trying to bring you to the end of yourself. And today's the day you're ready to let go and let God have his way. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord personally, I invite you to come as well. The pastor's here, I'll be here, others are here. If we can help you settle the assurance of your personal salvation, we desire to do that too. You can't make that happen any more than any of the rest of us can make anything happen. It's got to be all of God. So if you need help with that, you come as well. But let's allow God this morning to continue that process of bringing us to the end of ourselves. Will you stand with me, please? Father, in this closing moment, please do and accomplish your will. God, even at a moment such as this, self is fighting for survival. But God, may we have the willingness, the surrender today to run up that white flag and just surrender it all, let go of it all. God, do and accomplish your will, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. No 